You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 3 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, Just so much to be thankful for. And one thing I'm very thankful for is our guest today, Laura Swisher. She is um, the Executive Director for a nonprofit, Seeds of Hope, which she'll tell you about. And she also serves on the board of A Better World and is just an incredible woman of faith. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, To get started today, I was wondering if you could tell us how you came to know the Lord and a little bit about your faith journey. Yes, um, it's definitely a journey. I mean, I was raised Methodist, uh, very, my mom always had us there if the doors were open. We did youth group Sunday school. And so my sister and I were always in church and I love God my whole life. So um, college was a little bit of a, you know, trail of, I love you, God, but I'm going to put you right here and I'm going to kind of do what I do want to do and hope you bless it kind of journey. And then as an adult, um, really, I have just found God in the most powerful ways um, mm. and actually was baptized because you know how they do the, the dedication as a baby in the Methodist church. But um, I wasn't baptized until about maybe 10 years ago. So I just feel like it was like the whole rebirth about maybe 12 12 years ago. It just has grown. It's just been a journey. But God's always been with me since I was a little girl. Yeah. Was there something that happened, you know, 10 or 12 years ago that was kind of the catalyst for like, now is the time? Um. It's interesting. So I'd always been in Bible studies and had older women pouring into me. And then we would trickle down to women younger than than I was. And so honestly, I think it was um, a series of events like in my life over and over. We had some pretty big ways that God had shown up up until this point about 10 or 11 years ago. So I just had this little thing in the back of my mind about baptism. And um, it it was interesting. We had a house guest come stay with us and um, he was a new believer at like 50. And he was talking about the importance of baptism. And he said, what are you waiting for? Mm. And when he said that to me, um, I was like, you know, I, it it just was like, everything was coming together, but, um, it was also around that time that I had been in a Bible study of ladies, um, seeking Jesus. And I had just been really wanting to know Jesus more, 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 and just really asking for, for more of Jesus just to know his character. And, you know, I knew the God of the Bible and of church, but Jesus. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I just felt like I couldn't wait another day. Mm. <laughs> I love that. And I feel like there's someone out there listening that you're speaking right to them where it's been on their mind or on their heart, but maybe they felt a little self-conscious of like, oh, but I've been a Christian for a while or, you know, 
is it too, is it too late? Does it feel weird? Yeah. And I think this is your sign, listener. No, it's not too late. Don't be self conscious. Make the make the statement. Yes. Well, the way I described it to my son, he was actually his eyes were wide open because they had us at our church. They recorded um, a couple of us speaking about our faith journey before we were baptized, and so my son was there. And uh, my mom and my sister and my husband and my nieces. And he was like, mom, I learned a lot about you. But what I said was I have been doing things my way and compartmentalizing God until that point. And the baptism to me meant your way is the only way in all areas. And so, um, I don't know. I just thought my son thought that that was really interesting to know because our kids have us on a pedestal. So he was like, <laughs> hmm, so what were you doing your way? You know, it was <laughs> him to see. And then later we actually went to Israel and got baptized as a family. Oh, and wow. he was 15 and um, he, it was just really special. So mm. I, got baptized again. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is so beautiful. Um, I want to circle back to the, you know, Bible study you were in where you felt like you wanted to just learn more about specifically the character of Jesus. And yes. what did you learn or in your life, you know, what have you learned about who Jesus is and why why follow him? Why give him control? You know, what's interesting is, so I was in this leadership position, right? Not leadership, but we were, you know, we were, we had ladies in their fifties pouring into us in our thirties and we were pouring into girls in their twenties. So Mm -hmm. I'm earnestly doing the study alongside them. In the same time, I was also doing a study in my neighborhood. A lady um, was really taking time to pour into about seven of us in our neighborhood. And those two together uh, with me seeking God, I started praying, what is, I'm telling the girls, let's pray what's in our life that God doesn't want there. And over and over again, to me, it kept being alcohol, like be sober minded or, you know, wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. And I was like, what? And over and over again, when I'm seeking the Lord, alcohol kept coming up and it made me really look at my habits, you know, like, um, why would I open a glass of wine in the afternoon? You know, like why it just really, I was really trying to unclench my fist and give God everything. And so when that happened at the end of the study and the older ladies asked us as leaders, what did we learn? I said, I think I need to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And what was beautiful about that is about five years later, one of the other leaders came to me and uh, we went to a recovery meeting together. I then started the journey of recovery at that point. But she said, if you never would have spoken up at the end of that study, because we can look like we have it all together, right? Mm-hmm. And and she did to me and I did to her, but we were both having issues around alcohol, But what I learned about Jesus is God loves us so much not to let us sit in okay and getting by and, and, and it just, the whole thing of taking away the alcohol opened up a whole new world of Jesus to me. It was, it was really so curious to me that that is what God used, but it has been over and over again, really beautiful. Wow. Well, and when we're obedient, 
to whatever he's asking us to do, whether it's give something up or give, you take something new on or whatever it may be. When we're obedient, I feel like we see him so much more clearly and see him work in new ways and he takes us to new places. And it's just, it's incredible. Wow. Well done. Well, and you know what's really been part of the beautiful thing for me? It's so much beauty. But when you see someone who um, didn't have a concept of God, was angry at God, didn't believe in God, has church hurt or whatever, in recovery, find God, it's more beautiful to me than church. It is the most beautiful thing to see someone find the Lord through one day I just asked for help to something I didn't believe in and I never drank again and I know it wasn't me. So there must be a God. And then that opens their door to their path. And sometimes they're more passionate as believers than some of us may be, you know, because they know that it wasn't them and they know they were this way for years and they prayed to something and he showed up. It's so beautiful. Wow. Well, and what a beautiful reminder of how we all need God. Like none of us can do it on our own. And it's that sin of pride that, I mean, I've struggled with this so much in my life of feeling like I got this. Or even if I don't, I can call my my parents or right. like there are people in my life who, who won't leave me hanging. And I constantly go to people instead of God and recognizing that I, I am nothing without Him. He's everything. And every good thing I have in life is a gift from Him. Yes. Um, and yeah. You know, that, that was a big, uh, huge part, actually, of my story was I'm a real people pleaser. And I had a lot of people around me that were like, I've never seen you drunk. Like, or, what? You don't have a problem with that. You know, I had so many people around me, even my family that was like, do you just like self-help? Like you don't have, but I knew and God knew, right? We know. And um, so one day I was driving down the road, just in this angst, going to a meeting, like, you know, and I know where I was on Carmel road. And the Lord said to me, why are you asking everyone but me? Mm. And it's like, you're saying like, he is the only opinion that matters. And he, the Holy spirit had convicted me when I was seeking Jesus. Why am I calling up my friends and asking their opinion? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that was it for me. I was like, "Mm, that's all I needed to know. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is a good reminder. Yeah. That is good. Um, so that was about, I guess you said like 11, 12 uh, years ago. Yes. yes. Um, June this year. So I started trying like to stop and my father died and somebody brought wine. It was a little journey of, mm. you know, until I got to that part, that point on Carmel Road. So for about six months, I was um, praying, is this it? So my recovery date is was June of this year was eleven years of sobriety. Great! Congratulations! That's amazing. I know that is so good. And I want to encourage someone out there who may be in the very beginning, or well, I do. You have anything to encourage someone out there who's in the beginning of their recovery and just feels like I could never get to eleven years. Oh my goodness. It's overwhelming to think, um, because you just don't want to drink today. 
And people have different things like, you know, there are all kinds of funny ways that people will say, oh, I just wanted to come in and learn how to not drink irresponsibly, but I didn't want to stop. But, you know, the beauty of it is, is if you just stay in today, it's like anything in life. Don't get ahead of yourself. You just have today. You stay in today. You ask God for today. And um, don't think about things in the future. We laugh about things like you come in going, oh, I won't have champagne at my child's wedding. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how grateful my son never remembers me drinking? He's 21 and he's very respectful. He respects so much that he doesn't have to worry about a parent that is drinking at all in any social situation. So I would just encourage people just stay in today when those, you know, those imagined events come where you think you would enjoy alcohol. You will, there's not one thing in my life that alcohol would make better. Not yeah. one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better it's so, so true. And, but it's so against what culture tells us. Like it's everywhere. Right. And it's so normal. I know. Yeah. I know. Mm. I know. It's it's just, you know, tricky. It's yeah. very tricky. And so I think people, um, everyone has to decide for themselves. And if you're really seeking the Lord and asking Him, He'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. And with whatever it may be. Yes. You know, maybe for someone listening out there, it's not alcohol, but there's right. something that they're feeling convicted on right now of like, oh, I need to I need to change a few things. Yes. It can be, you know, honestly, any place that you feel like you've lost the choice. I'm really big on freedom because I feel like through um, different things in my life, like I'm so passionate about our freedom in Christ and what it looks like that you think you don't have control of. Like, why am I opening wine every day? It starts this path of, no, I want you to have freedom from people pleasing. I want you to have freedom from shame. I want you to have freedom from all these lies that were opened up to me on this path I started on that were so much bigger than what you think it is. And it can be, it can be shopping. It can be your overbooking, overcommitting. It can be so many different things, but, um, there's just so much freedom in Christ that he wants for us to have. Yes. So. <laughs> Amen. That is so good. Especially, you know, as we're heading now into, well, I worry we are fully in the Christmas season when this episode comes out. And yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason Jesus came was to bring freedom. And I, I mean, that's what we need to focus on in the Christmas season. We can get so caught up in the buying and the busyness and the events, but the whole purpose of Jesus giving his life for us is so we can experience freedom yes. and not this like weight of, of the to-do list or keeping yes. up with the Joneses or, you know, whatever yes. it is. I know. And some of us just self-imposed expectations, you know, mm-hmm. we are our worst enemy with that, yeah. that he never wanted us to put those things on ourselves that we do. Yeah. So um, I know you're right. It's important to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've mentioned your son a few times, and um, I know there's a story about him as well. And um, I mean, the infertility you walked through. I, and I, was, I, I used to always embarrass him because um, I would teach his Sunday school class and 
he would be like, mom, if you talk about me being a miracle, when he was like in fourth grade, he was like, do not talk about me being a miracle. But um, yes, I really, of course, wanted children once we were married and I had two amazing stepdaughters. And um, so we tried for so long and just couldn't, you know, I had a miscarriage and we were trying fertility treatments. We never got to in vitro, but we were just trying other things. And so when he was born, I was like, wow, he's a miracle. I, you know, but when, what I found out later when I had a miscarriage after him was he's even more of a miracle because I carry an extra chromosome. So my body rejects baby, a baby. That's why I couldn't get pregnant, but they didn't know that till after the miscarriage after him. So even more, they can't explain him, you know, the wow. doctor was like, Oh wow. Cause I had a great pregnancy. And so, um, he is, <laughs> and we're super close. So I have my two amazing stepdaughters and what is so, it just brings me to tears every time. God is so good because they being older have loved him like his two other moms. One was 18 and one was 21 when he was born, but then they have their own children. So I got to be a grandmother and have all I wanted children. And I got, we now have six grandchildren. Wow. Yes. And so, and God just knew what he was doing, you know, because we are very close. They let me be in the delivery room. Um, and their mom is so kind to always include me as a grandmother. It is so beautiful. So wow. he knew I was going to have a lot of kids in my life, but it just looked different. And then Lawson's a miracle. So wow. <laughs> yeah. that's getting me really emotional too. Just how good God is. Like he knows what we desire. And like yeah. you said, it doesn't always show up the way you thought. But in this case, it feels even more full and more rich and just so beautiful. It really does because it, it um, you know, with my son's sisters being so much older, he kind of had a, one of my grandchildren is close in his age. So it was like he had siblings too, his age. Yeah. And then just the love that they have, they would tell you if they were here. And so with their mom, like, they've needed our help as grandparents as to, you know, we, everybody's busy and working. And so it's, so we really have a lot of time together. So it's truly God just blessing us with a lot of kids in our lives. (laughs) Yeah. That is so wonderful. Um, Yeah. And you are very busy because you're also running a nonprofit. Um, So what is that? How did it start? What is the heart behind it? Well, um, it's so, I I just love how, um, when I look back, my husband and I were in the car one day and I, I called a friend of mine actually last week. And I said, I'm just standing in my yard, seriously thanking God for how this has all come together. So I've always been like a volunteer and, you know, tried to love people all over our city, but my husband was so busy. You know, he was working, he um, had a company and, and so he would love to hear about these things and give, but it was always my passion. And so I was praying for us to get on the same page with our giving and get behind the same causes because you can make more of an impact as a couple. 
So we were driving one day about five years ago and I said, what are you passionate about? Because I'm all the things, right? You tell me a need and I'm passionate about it, but what are you? And he said, education. He said, Laura, education is the way out of generational poverty. And um, I said, you know what? Our church, I've heard, I, I got invited to something I couldn't go to called Seeds of Hope and David and Marilyn Chadwick, they had started this nonprofit for college scholarships. So we reached out to David and Marilyn. We got involved. We had, um, uh, they asked us to be on their volunteer board. Seeds of Hope is all volunteer. And uh, it just started us on the journey. And then about a year and a half ago, my husband retired so he could take a more active role on the board. And I got asked to be executive director January of this year. And the, the amazing lady that handed it to me said, Laura, Jesus told me you've got this. And I said, but he didn't tell me. I'm so scared. <laughs> and so I think when we're so outside of our comfort zone, I, I was only scared because she was so organized. And um, But it has been beautiful. I, we are so involved with the students. We've got 23 students in college this year. Oh, Wow. Yes. And um, what's really cool about it is Moments of Hope Church, where David and Marilyn Chadwick, what they started. We have eight partners in Charlotte that are um, after school Christian programs that uh, pour into the youth in Charlotte. And those are the ones that bring us the kids to interview when they get to be on a college path. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does it I guess, how does it work or how could people get involved, whether they're in Charlotte or maybe not in Charlotte? Well, um, we love our volunteers and we are growing because um, we have every year added, like we, we want to add on trade schools. This year we have a, a, a young man going to barber school and that's exciting. And so it's not just the traditional college path. We also are very in, interested in trade school. And so um, we have um, seedscholars.org is our website. And we just had our fundraiser in November and we're still adding up to see how many, we can give how many scholarships to what we raise, right? Okay, yeah. And however much we raise, that's how many kids we can put in college for 2024. Wow. So I know we're, we're so excited about God's goodness and to see what the total amount is going to be. But there are all kinds of ways to get involved. We're having Taco Tuesdays and we're doing the Billy Graham Library in December. We do a lot of outings when the scholars are in town. Um and so I think the best way is just to go on the website and um, you can send a little, I want to volunteer, I'm interested kind of thing. But we would, we love, the scholars are just so welcome to this community. They, they're so grateful. And they're That's doing great. That's amazing. Things. So have, have you been with it long enough to like see some of the scholars graduate and see what they do with their lives afterwards? Oh my goodness. It, we have two scholars that are on our board and one, they oh, wow. one married and the other one just had his first child. So we have really, the beautiful thing about Seeds of Hope scholars is they come because it's Charlotte based. It's all Charlotte. They come back in and give back in our community. And so that has been amazing. They come back and speak at our fundraisers. They usually know the students behind them because they've been in the same after school program. So they know each other. Um, but it has been amazing to see their careers and um, 
just the big things they're doing for the Lord because they, they do, we do talk to them about their faith and in the interviews. And it is so humbling, Jess, like their, their faith humbles our interviewers. We are like, wow, they have strong, <laughs> strong mamas and daddies that are really leading them in the Lord at home. They just need the financial boost for college. Yeah. So we really feel they are advancing God's kingdom in this world. And it's amazing to think that these godly men and women are going to come back into Charlotte and yeah. pour into our community. It's yeah. Exciting. And they're going to change the city. <laughs> That's right. They are. That's amazing. Oh, I love it. So as you have, I mean, gone through so much in your life now and see God show up for you in countless ways, what are some main things you have learned about His character in your mm-hmm. story? You know, I think that He is so personal, and He's in the specific details. So I really pray specific prayers because it builds your faith to see specific answers, right? So for instance, my my son's at the University of Tennessee, and there's a housing crisis. This is just like a little example that's current. And so he's been in the same apartment that is kind of the party place. And I wanted him to be with, um, just get a new, new place for next year. Just, you know, just a new place. And so it looked impossible because of the situation at the University of Tennessee, like parents are on Facebook, just panicking. And I have the um, Praying for Your Adult Children's Scripture book by Jody Barrett. And I really believe in claiming God's word. And so the chapter on for your adult children, where they're going to live for months, I had it out every morning, just saying the verses that she would have me fill in the blank. Like, God, you know exactly where Lawson will live. You are going to provide a place that is light where he can study in peace. And you are, um, you have good plans for him, right? Philippians 1, 6, I always, but so I just think that claiming these specific promises, then I go to the University of Tennessee for a football game. I'm at a tailgate and the child that I would pray for my son to live with walked up to me and said, hello, Mrs. Swisher. Do you think Lawson would be interested in living with us? We found a new construction house. We all have our own rooms and bathrooms. And I'm just like, God, I'm in the middle of a football tailgate. Like, Lord, you're so specific. Yeah. Just that tiny example. And that might be a, a, it might sound silly, but when you've prayed the verses where your child's going to live for months and it shows up better than I could ask or imagine with a specific boy that I think the world of asked. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. And, you know, you, you stuck with it though. The thing that stood out to me when you were telling this story is that you prayed that for months. Right. You know, it's, and, and not, you know, God could have still done this if you had prayed once. Of and, course. you know, of course, God is going to do what God's going to do. But I think it strengthens our faith more when we're diligent, because then we recognize that this was God's provision. This is God answering this prayer. And He would have answered the prayer if you had prayed once, but you may right. have forgotten about the prayer and not seen the real miracle of God's provision, if that all makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And I think also it keeps us from worry. I can't mm. do anything about it. I can't create more housing than there is. And 
there are so many things that are outside of my wheelhouse with finding leases and all of those things. So what I can do is take it to the Lord over and over and just, that also keeps us from worry because we are doing something about it that's in our control. We're giving it to the one who's in control of everything. Yes. Yes. And he sees the big full picture and he has all the resources of the universe at his disposal. So like he's got it. Yes. Sometimes it just doesn't happen as fast as we would like. Exactly, exactly. But he, you know, it was just that scripture, you know exactly where he should live, right? You know exactly whatever it is that we, he has better plans for our children anyway than Mm. what our plans are. And so just remembering that because um, I think I I do this scripture journal and the, the, um, it'll ask you a question like every couple of weeks instead of the scripture, it'll ask you a question. And it was like, where do you doubt God? And I was like, I don't, it's not that I doubt God, but if there's one area where I might start, uh, well, is my children, Mm. right? That is the place that I don't doubt him, but I have to claim the promises the most because my heart is so with them that there's no room for anything other than claiming his promises over them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think I know what I want for them, but he knows better. Yeah. What would you say to the mom or dad out there whose child maybe isn't walking with the Lord or is in a really tough spot right now? And that parent is having a hard time releasing control and is feeling the grief of, I don't know, of a kind of like a lost child. Yes. You know, um, first of all, if it's possible to get in a prayer group, we have had um, a recent miracle at our church where we claimed for months for a, a woman's son who was, she wasn't even sure where he was. He was using drugs and just, um, it was very, but, but we've had a miracle. We've seen a miracle. He is back home. He is on his path. But in those months and those hours of claiming, it's so good if you can get in community with people that will pray for your child. Cause sometimes you just can't yeah. like, I can be a prayer warrior for you all day long, but when it comes to my child, I can get paralyzed. So if you can find, you know, um, places, even if you're not comfortable praying out loud, go somewhere where they'll, your church will pray for it, for them. Like ask for prayer. People need to access people praying for that child. The more, yeah. don't be afraid to tell what's going on. It will, if it will bring prayer without, you know, respecting your child's privacy, of course. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, um, the enemy will try to use the things you want to say to them to hurt your relationship with them. So you can just remember, say what you want to say to them, to the Lord, because our kids, sometimes they really just don't want to, it's going to push them away. If you keep telling them what they should be doing. But if you tell God, you know, if you ask God for these things and you just try to keep the relationship open, so they'll talk to you. God can bring them back and stand on his promises. Like not asking him, claiming, God, you said you who began a good work in them would see it through to the day of completion of Christ Jesus. Um, 
you said you, you, you remind God of his promises for that child and stand on them. And you'll feel this peace that you can't explain that you may not see it. It's that song Waymaker, right? Even when we can't see it, he is working. Yeah. And so there are miracles every day. Do not give up praying for your child in hope. Yes, that is so good. That is good. And I think that's so timely heading into Christmas can be a really hard time for families. Um, You know, there's a there's a lot of family dynamics that can come up yeah. around the holidays. So I think that's such a good reminder. Mm, that's good. And I'll write out in the show notes those promises that you've mentioned. So yeah. listeners, you can go back, pull that up, and just read over those. You don't you don't even have to have them memorized. Just print them out or write them out and read them every day. I think that's a really powerful practice. I think the other one is his word never returns void, right? It always achieves the purpose for which he sent it. And so forgive me for not knowing all the addresses of the scripture, but the That's other okay. one I'll is, look them up. I'll put them in the show okay. notes. The other one that comforts me is the enemy cannot snatch them out of his hand. It says they cannot be snatched out of my hand. So when we know that God's word doesn't return void and we're claiming it over the child he created, right? Yeah. There's something, it is a spiritual battle that belongs to him. But as our part as parents, We've got to take it to him on behalf of that child. We are battling for that child in prayer and he's going to do the work and his word doesn't return voice. So just claim, claim, claim those things over your child and, and believe it, believe for it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's so good. Um, we're almost out of time. So to wrap up, what did I miss? What is something you can't leave before you say, or a final word of hope or encouragement? Um, you know, I, as I've told you that I believe in the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And just a little piece of wisdom that a friend of mine told me years ago in that study I was in, in my neighborhood, uh, we did a year in the book of Revelations, So she really broke that down for us. And she said, the biggest thing the enemy uses is to get offended. And where we are in our culture right now, for some reason, the Lord is putting it on my heart, whether it's in your family, whether it's he is, you know, the enemy is throwing everything at us right now. Don't be offended. Do not be, do not take things personally. Do not be offended. Love your neighbor, no matter what, just love your neighbor. And that is, with your Thanksgiving table, (laughs) that is with your, um, you know, person that has a different political opinion, whatever it is, it could be your family member that does. Just don't be offended. Love your neighbor. And God is good all the time. (laughs) Amen. Oh my goodness. That's perfect. Laura, thank thank you so much for being on today. So honored. Thank you. The Collected Podcast is sponsored in part by Beauty Counter. Use the link in our show notes to shop for all of your clean beauty needs and 10% of the profits will go directly back to benefiting the podcast. Also, use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off of your first purchase. What an amazing conversation with Laura. I especially loved how she was talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And I think that's so important for us to rest in 
throughout the month of December and as we head into a new year in January. Um, this is such a hectic, crazy time. I was kind of talking about this with Laura, um, but just reflecting on it more, you know, how different just would your your spirit feel if every moment of the month of December you rested in the freedom you have in Christ, in the freedom to not have to overpack your schedule or to not feel offended by a family member or a neighbor or to not get so wrapped up in the worry of how things are going to work out, how things are going to come together, how will you provide, how will you get the things you need this month. Um, and those are all such, you know, legitimate things in our lives. And yet over and over in the Bible, God reminds us, do not fear, do not worry about tomorrow, um, because He's He's got it covered. He's the provider. He's the sovereign creator of the universe, and everything is at His disposal. And so He He is good, and He is faithful to provide what you need, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual. Um, <laughs> he's got it covered. And so I just challenge myself and all of us to rest in the provision and freedom of the Lord and and try and find those moments of, of joy and choose gratitude and joy over the crazy, hectic busyness that can just consume us. And then before we know it, December is already gone and, and we missed sweet moments with family or sweet moments with the Lord, um, celebrating the the true reason for the season, which is Jesus and all that He did for us. Um, <laughs> that is, that's the point of it all. Um, so thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening and for supporting the show. A huge thank you to all of um, people who, all the people who pray for us, who pray for me and our listeners and my team. Um, and a huge, huge thank you to those of you who support us financially. Um, if you haven't ever given to the show and you have some extra money in the giving account at the end of the year, please consider us. You can go to collectedministries.org slash donate. And any gift is hugely, hugely appreciated to keep things going over here at Collected. Um, so thank you again for just all you do and your continual support of the show. I'm sending many Christmas wishes as we head into the Christmas season, and I'm so excited for um, the two episodes I have coming out in December. I think they will be very festive and fun, but also, you know, moments to help us refocus on the true meaning of the season. Um, so join us in two weeks, and until then, I'm praying for you and sending you lots of love from across the miles. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries.